The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Councilmember Mary Waters. Present. Councilmember Angela Whitfield Calloway. Present. Councilmember Comey Young II. Council President Pro Tem James Tate. Here. Council President Mary Sheffield. Present. Madam President, you have a quorum. All right, there being a quorum present, we are back in session, and I'm going to turn it back over to you all, to the clerk. Sure. Madam President, the results of the ballots are as follows. O'Neill D. Swanson has six votes. Council Member Mary Waters, Council President Pro Tem Tate, Council Member Young, Council Member Benson, Council Member Whitfield Calloway, and Council President Sheffield. John Lee Hooker has one vote, one vote, Council Member Benson. Elizabeth L. Richard has seven votes, Council Member Waters, Council President Pro Tem Tate, Council Member Durhall, Council Member Johnson, Council Member Santiago Romero, Council President Sheffield, and Council Member Whitfield Calloway. Gregory Mudge has five votes. Council, member, Council President Pro Tem Tate, Council Member Young, Council Member Santiago Romero, Council President Sheffield, Council Member Whitfield Calloway. Dr. Chad Audie has three votes. Council Member Durhall, Council Member Johnson, and Council Member Young. Jeanette M. Wheatley has eight votes. Council Member Waters, Council President Pro Tem Tate, Council Member Durhall, Council Member Johnson, Council Member Young, Council Member Santiago Romero, Council President Sheffield and Council Member Benson. Benny Napoleon has nine votes. Council Member Waters, Council Member Tate, I mean Council President Pro Tem Tate, Council Member Durhall, Council Member Johnson, Council Member Young, Council Member Santiago Romero, Council President Sheffield, Council Member Benson, and Council Member Whitfield Calloway. Bishop James Cornell Scott Sr. has six votes. Council Member Waters, Councilmember Durhall, Councilmember Johnson, Councilmember Santiago Romero, Councilmember Benson, and Councilmember Whitfield Calloway. Madam President, the top five names are O'Neill D. Swanson with six votes, Elizabeth L. Richard with seven votes, Jeanette M. Wheatley with eight votes, Benny and Napoleon with nine votes, and Bishop. James Cornell Scott Sr. with six votes. And I'm sorry, Mr. Clerk, how many votes does Swanson have? Six votes. So is it a tie? Yes. And okay, so both of them move forward. Okay, yes. I'm sorry, I was making yes. sure. Okay. All right. Um, do you have a resolution that reflects those five individuals? So I, I did find out that there originally was drafted a, a resolution that was sent to us. I don't know if you guys have the fifth resolution you may not we do have four resolutions um, of, for the names that are on the agenda right now we do need to remove one name and add another at um, O'Neill D. D. Swanson but we do have four of the names All right. to, the, to the chair um, uh, full council should have received physical copies from Mr. Whitaker earlier um, in the meeting um, reflecting all the, the full complement of the the resolution including the one the, the ad the added one that was not referred 
from committee, um, Ms. Swanson. And hey, Madam President, um, Mr. Jai is passing out or just have, has the resolution for O'Neill D. Swanson. Okay. All right. So, Mr. Clark, you want to take the first resolution? Sure. Council President, Council President Pro Tem Tate, a resolution, line item 16.6, .6, and this is for a secondary street naming for Elizabeth R. L. Richard. All right, President Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, move approval, line item 16.6. .6. Motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that motion is approved. With the waiver, Madam President. A waiver has been requested. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that motion is approved. And Mr. Clerk? Council President Pro Tem Tate, a resolution, line item 16.7, and this is a secondary street naming for Benjamin Benny Napoleon. And if the clerk would note, it should just read Benny Napoleon, not Benjamin. Clerk will so note. Mr. Uh, not Mr. But President Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, move approval line item 16.7 as amended. Motion has been made. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that resolution is approved. With a request for a waiver, Madam President. A waiver has been requested. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Mr. Clerk. Council President Pro Tem Tate, a resolution. Line item 16.8, and this is a secondary street name for Bishop James Cornell Scott, Sr. All right, pro tem Tate. My president, move approval, line item 16.8. Motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? <clears throat> Hearing none, that resolution will be approved. Request a waiver, Madam President. Waiver has been requested. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Mr. Clerk. Madam President, lastly on today's agenda, we have um, Council President Pro Tem Tate, a resolution, and this uh, line up 16.9, and this is a secondary street name for Jeanette M. Wheatley. Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, move approval line item 16.9. Motion has been made. Are there any objections? Hearing none, the resolution will be approved. Waiver? With the waiver, I'm sorry, ma'am. All right, waiver has been requested. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Madam President, yeah, Madam President, line item 16.10 can be removed from today's agenda. All right, is there a motion? Madam President, move to remove line item 16.10 from the agenda. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Mr. Clerk? Madam President, we would like to uh, walk on a resolution to approve uh, for secondary street naming um, O'Neill Swanson. Yeah. Yep, we have it. All right, colleagues, you all should have that resolution. Uh, Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, move to walk on the resolution supporting um, O'Neill D. Swanson as the secondary street awardee. All right, motion has been made. Hearing no objections, that resolution will be approved. Walked on. I'm, excuse me, will be walked on. Council Member, Council President Pro Tem Tate, a resolution approving uh, the resolution. Pro Tem Tate. I'm president move to approve the resolution for O'Neill D. Swanson Secondary Street. All right. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Request the waiver, Madam President. Waiver has been requested. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Thank you. All right. Moving along, 
to the Housing and Revitalization Department. Council President Pro Tem Tate, five resolutions, line items 16.11 through 16.15. Noted that line item 16.11 was moved out of committee uh, pending additional information. President Pro Tem Tate. I'm President, move approval of line item 16.11 through 16.15. Motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? Hearing none, these resolutions will be approved, and there are five resolutions. From the Planning and Development Department. Council President Pro Tem Tate, three resolutions, line items 16.16 through 16.18. Pro Tem Tate. Madam President, move approval line items 16.16 through 16.18, please. Motion has been made for approval, and these are various property sales. Are there any objections? Madam Chair, sure. objection. All right, which line item? Um, line item, this is Callaway, um, line item 16.17. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. If the clerk will please note, Member Johnson. Objection to line item 16.17. The clerk will please note. Clerk will so note. Any other objections? All right, hearing none, the three resolutions will be approved. For the Public Health and Safety Standing Committee under unfinished business. Councilmember Benson, an ordinance noting a roll call, line item 17.1. Member Benson. I move to take from the table an ordinance to amend Chapter 19 of the 2019 Detroit City Code Food, Article 2, City License for Food Service Establishments and Vending Machines, Division 2, First Food Service Establishments, by adding Subdivision C, Food Rating which shall consist of sections 19, TAC 2, TAC 51, purpose, section 19, TAC 2, TAC 52, definitions, section 19, TAC 2, TAC 53, issuance and contents of public information signs, section 19, TAC 2, TAC 54, exceptions, and section 19, TAC 5, TAC 24, posting requirements, period ability, removal prohibited to require the posting of the results of the most recent inspection and evaluation of food service establishments by the Detroit Health Department, laid on the table October 11, 2022. Uh, discussion is this the time dr. Powers discussion is that appropriate yes. okay want to open it up for discussion discussion um, yep thank you member Benson oh thank you so we've had a lot of conversation about this and this is something we've been working on for quite some time now and I'm hoping that we have the health department um, and the law department available as well to the administration and so and I, and I took copious notes from the day's public comment about what this ordinance is to certain people and what it is not. And so I just want to make it very clear and make sure that we're providing facts and not the misinformation that has been provided or just the, the confusion about what the ordinance is. And so this is an ordinance that requires the posting, simply the posting of a placard that shows the results of your most recent health inspection. A health inspection is something that is earned by a restaurateur. It's not something that's given. It's not something that's randomly distributed. It's something that's earned. 80 to 90% of all restaurants pass their health inspection with no priority or priority foundation violation. Less than 5% of restaurants get into the enforcement category. 
Now, as many of you know, and as has been much discussed here, a passing of your health inspection will be a green placard. Being placed into a enforcement category, less than 5% of restaurants, about 83 in total in the city of Detroit, would receive a yellow. There is a red color as well. That is the result if you have been shut down by the city of Detroit for health problems. Now, to get to a yellow, you have to really work at that because you're not guaranteed to get to a yellow. It takes a health inspector coming back and then suggesting and then, ha and then having the manager say, yeah, we, we support and agree with that. The green is the most likely result of a health inspection, overwhelming. And so when we talk about this would hurt restaurants, would it or would it help? If I have a green placard in front of my store, that's a piece of market material that I can use. If I have a green placard in front of my restaurant, that means that people <coughs> who are less likely to stop in restaurants like Joe, like Joanne's Barbecue on Jerome or the Food Exchange on Harper will think twice now and, and stop. It also means that restaurants know that there's a level of accountability now. And so when you have 30 people in the state of Michigan die between 2016 and 2019 because of hepatitis A, which caused the state health departments around the state to suggest to restaurants that they get their employees a vaccination because it was being passed through restaurants. It was one of the several ways it was being passed. In 2018, when you have Popeye's chicken, who is willingly, knowingly serving rat, roach, and fly-infested food to customers unknowingly. In 2021, when you have Church's Chicken, knowingly sell old and outdated meat to the residents. No accountability. No one needs to know. I'm going to eat there. I'm going to feed my family that food. This year, you got Lafayette Coney Island, who, based on the information from social media, had a rat infestation that goes to the health department. Health department goes out and takes a look. Oh, you do have a rodent problem. You can do one of many things, one of which should self-correct. Lafayette Coney Island says, you know what? We will self-correct. We are going to shut down until we can correct this. They shut down for three hours, open right back up to sell chili and other items on their menu, knowing they had a rodent infestation, which means if you have a rodent infestation that you're serving people rodent urine, rodent feces, and rodent hair. Nothing that I like on my menu. That resulted in a, a closure. And that was because they lied. I don't have any accountability. Why should I not? Why should I not just reopen? Who's going to know the difference? The health department did. They shut them down. So in those situations, you have the industry, certain members, I'm sure there are dozens. In fact, I know that there are dozens, hundreds, and thousands who take great pride in the food that they serve. But not everybody does. And when they don't, then the residents are the victim. And so this ordinance does one thing, ensures transparency by the fact that you're placing a placard showing your results. But it does also come with education of the public, as well as an incentive to handle food safely and not reopen when you know you're serving rat-infested food.
or roach infested food or just old rotten meat to residents. And that's what happens when you don't have a level of accountability. And earlier today, we had a conversation about right to counsel. 15 cities in the country do that. We are now the 15th, first one in Michigan. The first one, that's not a bad thing. It's good to be the first one to do something that moves you forward. What's bad is to be the first one to say, we can't take that level of accountability. Please don't give us something that we know will help the public health and safety. That's just terrible because we can't handle food safely. That's the message being given that black restaurants can't handle serving food safely. That's terrible. It's not the, not the case. We have the food exchange. You have the Bobby's Blues Cafe. You have They Say. All have indicated we are okay with this ordinance. We will live with it. We will thrive with it. And we will handle food safely. But that's from Councilman Benson. What does the health department have to say about its capacity? There were a number of public comments, lots surrounded around hurting small business, not the case. In, in fact, studies show it's actually helped small business. If you have a green placard, maybe 90% of restaurants would, that you will see an increase in your business. The, D, the, department, the Detroit Health Department, not having capacity, not true at all. And I'd like to hear from the director of the health department to uh, talk about the capacity of the health department and what they can do and what they have done. Got us as a city through COVID, helped to keep, save lives, helped make us a award-winning location for serving, to, for giving out vaccinations as well as testing when the other cities around the country were having a great level of difficulty and still went around and inspected restaurants to make sure that they were still providing safe food. Is the health department available? All right, to uh, Ms. Fulton, do we have someone here from the health department? Madam Chair, Scott Whittington is online. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Whittington has been moved over. Right. And Madam Thank President, you. let's see if Director Fair Razo was online. She is also online. Pardon me. Madam President, through yourself, um, if the director could just briefly describe the capacity of the health department to handle this ordinance. Absolutely. Um, through the chair, my name is Denise Ferrazzo. I am the chief public health officer for the city of Detroit, where I oversee the Detroit Health Department. Um, I wanted to address not only the workforce capacity issue that came up a number of times during public comment, um, but I also want to address our retention plan um, and then kick it over to Withington, who was the general manager for the environmental health department, um, and ask him to address specifically what each color code means 
um, and he will he will um, uh, speak after I am finished. So let me first address workforce capacity. Um, the health department currently is budgeted for 17 health inspectors. Uh, currently, as of today, November the 1st, we have nine health inspectors. We just um, offered and accepted uh, three additional um, positions. So we now have a total of uh, we have a total of 12 um, health department inspectors, if I'm doing my math correctly, which leaves us with five vacancies. Um, I am certainly optimistic that we will fill our vacancies over the next couple of months. I do want to say, too, that even though we have not been fully staffed, um, we are meeting the demand, um, and we're doing this in a variety of different ways. So number one, um, even though we have not um, been fully staffed, we are responding to all complaints within less than five days. We get complaints via social media, um, through our website, we get text calls, people come to the health department and we take every complaint seriously. So we are responding within less than five days sometimes within uh, same day or within a couple of days. We are also completing all of our routine and follow-up inspections within 30 days, 30 days or less. And that is the standard um, for all health departments across the state of Michigan. And so we are meeting that demand. And finally, we are responding to every investigation that comes across our plate. Um, and so that is uh, what we are committed to doing as a health department. Now, in order to um, retain these um, employees that we have we have hired, we will do whatever it takes, and we are working really closely with our professional uh, HR department, led um, by Denise Starr, who's the director for the department. They've been extremely helpful in um, helping us with posting, uh, the, the whole hiring process, and they will help us with retention. Um, also, I am holding um, my leader, um, a, accountable. So that's Scott Withington, who oversees the food safety division. I'm holding him accountable to make sure that um, it's part of his job to retain his staff by providing training and um, education, making sure that his staff are going to conferences, uh, giving them the tools that they need to expand their skill set. Um, and also, he is making sure that he's providing cross-training opportunities. So that is our commitment to retaining our uh, 17 individuals that we plan to, uh, to have. Um, and finally, I just want to remind residents uh, and also city council that the role of the health department is to protect the public's health. And so this also includes food safety. It includes holding all of our restaurant owners accountable. Um, and finally, it also means protecting our residents and keeping them safe. And that is our commitment. The health department has been around for over 100 years, and that is our, um, our plan moving forward. So I'm going to ask uh, Scott, again, general manager for the Environmental Health Division at the health department, just to address what each color code means and also provide examples uh, for each of those color coded um, categories. And then also, Scott, if you have a chance, if you can address Lafayette, I think there was some concerns about whether if the ordinance was in place, what the color code would mean. So if you could also address that. Uh, thank you. And I will turn it over now to Scott Whittington. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Good afternoon. Okay. Uh, through the chair, I, uh, yes, I'd like to talk about. First, uh, I want to uh, follow up on what Denise said. And my team's primary focus uh, has, has been and will uh, continue to be to assist Detroit's restaurants to operate safely. 
this uh, this would not change uh, regardless of the outcome of today. Um, and, uh, in, ter- in terms of how our current work fits to the uh, way the ordinance is designed, as the council member said, uh, most restaurants would uh, re- would get a green placard. As most uh, as most restaurants either don't have serious violations when they're inspected, or those violations are in, are corrected during the inspection. Um, as, as he talked, what he refers to as the translucent, uh, essentially, would be a generic QR code that would give people information on our inspections and, uh, and the link to be able to look at, look at them. Um, that occurs if there are still outstanding serious violations uh, to be corrected and then is replaced once through the follow-up process, those violations are corrected. Um, the uh, yellow placard, as he said, would is uncommon. The two main paths that gets the restaurant into our enforcement policy, process, policy is either failing to correct those violations within 30 uh, days of the inspection or having the same violation, for example, food at unsafe temperatures, for three routine inspections in a row, so three consecutive inspections, which is a period of a year and a half to potentially up to three years for the same issues occurring. And uh, and then that uh, that's when the yellow placard uh, in his ordinance uh, would come into play. Um, an, an example of how that enforcement pro- that process goes is if they're site, they cite in a restaurant for a refrigerator that's not holding temperature, and the, uh, the, the restaurant puts in to try to get it repaired, but they're way, they're they, they're back ordered on the parts. They if they can adjust their menu and their inventory to discontinue using that refrigerator for perishable food uh, while they're waiting for parts that may in the current environment be uh, quite a while in coming, then that uh, would not lead them to uh, not get the go into enforcement because they're taking actions to address the issue and protect the, the health of their customers. And then the red or the red sign, which is the one, which we all is uh, essentially the sign we already have when we, uh, uh, a closure order uh, by the chief public health officer is issued because the establishment uh, has severe safety issues that present a uh, substantial risk to their customers or at the tail end of the enforcement process after they've gone through several steps uh, and failed to correct the issues in question. Um, The uh, people have talked about Lafayette Coney Island. Their last routine inspection was in May and uh, they were cited for for, four serious violations three of which were corrected, but they still were working on uh, flies in the establishment. So that would have not had a green sign. It would have had the uh, basically the generic uh, code uh, after that inspection. And then the complaints we received around Labor Day you know, in August and Labor Day weekend uh, would have led to enforcement, and then it eventually led to the uh, red sign. And then after they were allowed to reopen, a yellow placard, uh, by my reading of the ordinance, would go into place until we've finished the enforcement process uh, with that establishment. All right. Thank you. Uh, Member Benson? All right. Thank you. And, and so a number of the other issues that were brought up, um, alternative uh, compromise would be a QR code only. And so this ordinance, from the start, 
has always incorporated QR codes onto every placard. What it's also incorporated is a easily disseminatable information to the public, which comes in the form of green, translucent QR code, yellow or red. QR code only eliminates close to 50% of the city of Detroit residents from being able to use the ordinance. You've already eliminated its, its availability and its usefulness to half of our population. And it brings no accountability. The study, which was given by the Metro Detroit Black Business Alliance, this is their study, not mine, indicates that by providing understandable reports at the point of service, a green placard, the program is consistent with best practices for public quality reporting. Easily identifiable and understood information at the point of sale. That, that is the best practice from around the country and around the world. And these type of ordinances are seen all over the world. And that's why a QR code only was, for me, not acceptable. But there is now a translucent QR code. If you are one of the 20 to 10% of the restaurants who would not pass your uh, initial inspection, there is a translucent QR code. You would lose a green placard, yes, and will replace the a translucent QR code. That's it. So that is included in the ordinance and it's required and QR codes have always been there. Member Benson, yeah. if you don't mind, if we could kind of speed up the process. Yeah. We have had this before uh, the committee. Uh, this has come before formal. And so I just want to kind of, we still have a long agenda in front yes, of us. So I, we could just kind of wrap it up. I understand, but I'm trying to just get through the, uh, the concerns, okay. make sure that they get Thank addressed. Thank you. All right, reason for the ordinance, transparency, education, and food safety. Uh, met with a number of stakeholders to educate an ordinance, including members in District 6, um, including members in District 1, including a meeting hosted by my office as well as the DEGC and the small business liaisons to ensure that this information was provided to the public. Um, it's indicated this is bad policy, despite the information provided by the Metro Detroit Black Business Alliance, that this is a best practice. This is good policy, and it helps to protect public health and safety as well as just provide basic transparency on the health department inspections and educate our public. Um, it was indicated there is not enough information um, given to the public on this. The city council, this body approved a budget increase to 200000 to ensure an education campaign as well as a marketing campaign and the hiring of two additional inspectors, which was the ask of the health department. We need two inspectors to carry this out because we will see an increase in the numbers of requests for reinspections after receiving something other than a green. And so that, that 80 to 90% that would receive it, on the other side are people who would be requesting an immediate reinspection to get to that green. Because now, if you don't get to that green, you have, there is no accountability. There is no reason for you to not do that. Budget uh, was increased by 200,000, um, which was shut down. Small businesses, not true at all. This is about public health and safety, not about hurting small businesses. And the studies show that it does help small businesses. And we have the budget to educate and move this forward. And once again, this ordinance does one thing, requires the posting of a placard. One thing. You can walk 10 steps and post a placard. I'm not sure there are two calories that are expended with that action. Not onerous, not hard. Easily identifiable information, educate the public, be transparent. This helps. This is a basic. 
or, this is a basic reason we have government is to be public safety, to help our residents and to protect them. This is what this does. Does not hurt businesses, helps businesses and make sure that we are the tip of the spear when it comes to public safety in the state of Michigan and we join other cities like like uh, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco recently, Seattle, that are also competing for investment in residents. This puts us into that space and makes us the tip of the spear in the state of Michigan. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Thank you, Member Benson. All right. Any additional questions, comments from uh, my colleagues regarding this particular ordinance? Uh, yes, Member Waters. Thank you so much. I have a statement I'd like to read, Madam President. Okay. Thank you. All right. I support this transformative ordinance proposal by Council Member Scott Benson because as a Detroit City Council member at large, I take seriously the responsibility of ensuring the health, safety, and welfare of our citizens. When entities serve food, that <clears throat> there's a standard of handling, sanitation, and food quality to protect the health, safety, and welfare of the people of Detroit that must be met as determined by the Detroit Health Department. The citizens of Detroit have a need to know if the dining establishment they have chosen to eat in has met those generic standards or in the name of transparency, if there is work to be done to bring that dining establishment up to a fit for Detroiters to eat in level. Yes, we want a strong business community, but we must never put profits over people. If you serve food, that must be met standards fit for human consumption in Detroit. Again, people over profits governs my yes vote. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Member Waters. Member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Madam President. I, too, uh, will just share briefly that when I first heard about this ordinance, I was in support, noting the transparency for residents as a benefit. When I heard of the opposition, I began to talk to restaurant owners, and what I heard from them is that they're still struggling. While I think this ordinance has the right intentions, I believe it is not the right time. Restaurant owners say they need support from funding to safe serve training to better, easier licensing and permitting processes. Understanding that these are two separate things, this is still the ecosystem that they work under. I want us to focus on what they need before we ask them to feel an additional pressure from this ordinance. I'm excited to know that our Deputy Mayor, along with Director Bell, are working to simplify our permitting process. During the budget process this year, I asked BCED to address their 75 steps to open a business in the city of Detroit. They say it's now close to about 25 steps, and that is still too many. I need us to make it as simple as one, two, three to open and do business in the city. We have a lean team that can evaluate our process. We have organizations like Sevilla that have helped our Michigan Secretary of State. Licensing renewal process go from difficult to easy. I believe that we can do this as well for our licenses and permitting process. I do have faith that our health department can take on this ordinance, but I do not believe our restaurant owners, especially coming out of COVID, have what they need right now to succeed. Until they do, I cannot support this ordinance. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you. Any additional comments? Madam President. Yes. Just quickly just wanted to remind everyone about the sweeteners, the one-on-one -on -one meetings with the Detroit Health Department, the up to 500 <coughs> serve safe trainings for free, as well as the increase of the health inspectors to 17 from the budget of 15, and the commitment to customer service training for our health inspectors, the same as BC did, which transformed the, um, the perception of the department um, about 10 years ago. Thank you. All right. 
All right, thank you. Um, and so, Member Benson, did you, we need to finish the process, right, Dr. Powers? He, the uh, Council Member Benson moved it from the table, uh, was moving it from, to take from the table. Okay, so we can. So his arguments were, um, he was arguing why it should be taken from the table. That's why we talked so long about it. <laughs> okay. All right, so we'll move now to hearing no objections to take it from the table. That action will be taken, and Council Member Benson? I move the ordinance be placed on the order of third reading and considered read. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. Council Member Benson? I move the ordinance be passed as submitted. And there being a roll call required, will the clerk please call the roll? Council Member Benson? Yes. Council Member Durhall? No. Council Member Johnson? No. Councilmember Santiago Romero? No. Council President Pro Tem Tate? No. Councilmember Waters? Yes. Councilmember Whitfield Calloway? Yes. Councilmember Young? No. Council President Sheffield? No, with a statement. Four yeas, five nays. I'm sorry. Three. Three, three yeas and seven nays. Six. Right. Six nays. Sorry. <laughs> long, day. long day. I understand. <laughs> Trust me, we paid attention. <laughs> there you go. You just <laughs> Mr. Clark, if you can just finish. Oh, that motion fails. All right. Um, so do we continue with the wording on here? No. No, ma'am, because the next step would be the title, and if it okay. failed, then there's no need to. Okay. Thank you. And I, I do just want to say thank you again to Member Benson, who has worked very, very hard on this ordinance. I, you know, you really should be commended. I just think we all have different ways in which we go about how we address the particular issue. Um, and for me, I thought, you know, the QR code as a interim step uh, to allow us to continue to educate our businesses um, and bring the health department up to the capacity that I felt was needed. And I just couldn't turn eye on um, the amount of District 5 uh, businesses with the Greek Town Association, et cetera, who have raised several concerns. And so hopefully we can get to a point um, over the next year to bring it back before council with some changes. So again, thank you to Member Benson for his uh, hard work on that particular ordinance. From the Office of Contracting and Procurement. Madam President, there are two contracts up for a vote today from the um, Public Health and Safety Standing Committee. Um, this I, First up, we have contract number 600-3480. 52% city, 48% grant funding. Amendment number one, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for COVID-19 mitigation, which includes quick clean and sanitize of buses at end of line. Contractors Crystal Group, Inc., total contract amount, $4,184,640. And this contract is for transportation. The next contract is contract number 600-3479. 100% city funding, amendment number one, to provide an extension of time and an increase of funds for COVID-19 mitigation services, cleaning and sanitizing for DDOT, administration, shoemaker, and Gilbert buildings. Contract is Crystal Group, Inc., total contract amount, $356,640, and this contract is for transportation as well. Council Member Benson, two resolutions, line items 17.2 and 17.3, noting that both items were postponed from last week's formal session. All right, <clears throat> thank you. Council Member Benson? All right, discussion? All right, um, this came back from last week. Are there any additional 
uh, comments regarding this particular contract from council members? Yes, member um, Calloway. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Um, to um, line item 17.2, I have received um, several complaints about Crystal Group. Um, I've received several complaints from a couple of unions representing hundreds and hundreds of um, members, and I cannot in good conscience support line item 17.2, nor will I be supporting 17.3. Thank you, Madam Chair. All right, thank you. All right, motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? Objection. Okay, I know there's a few objections, and we can start <laughs> down to my right. Go right ahead. Um, Member Calloway? Objection, um, Madam Chair. For which line items, um, Both 17.1 and 17.2, because I do believe they were both read. 17.2 and 17.3. and 17.3. All right, thank you. Member Walker, thank you, Madam Chair. Yes, Ms. Fulton, we're in the middle thank of a you. vote. So can you hold for one second, please? Sure. Thank you. Member Waters? Uh, no on 17.2 and 17.3. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Clark, uh, Proton. Wait. Proton? No on 17.2 and 17.3. Thank you. If you can show no, me. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We're going all the way down. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just want to make sure I get, <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure I get on there, too. No on 17.2 and no on 17.3. Go on, yeah. Clerk was so dope. If you can show me as a no for both, thank you. Perfect. Member Santiago Romero? A no both on 17.2 and 17.3. Member Johnson? Thank you, Madam President. No on 17.2 and 17.3. Pardon me, no on both 17.2 and 17.3. All right. Madam President, both items fail. All right, thank you. And Ms. Fulton, you are not on the screen. Did you still have something you would like to add? Yes. Uh, yes, Madam Chair, and apologies. Just wanted to note that the director did want to make mention of something uh, important prior to your vote. Um, if he's able to do so, we greatly appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. All right. I don't, I, it was voted down at this time. And so I we're gonna continue with the agenda. There's no objections at this time. <coughs> All right, from the Office of Contracting and Procurement. Madam President, there are three contracts up for a vote today from the Public Health and Safety Standing Committee. First up, we have contract number 600-4732, city funding to provide complimentary ADA paratransit services. Contract is People's Express, Inc. Total contract amount is $15,865,980.26, and this contract is for transportation. The next contract is contract number 600-4731, city funding to provide complimentary ADA paratransit services. Contract is Transdev Services, Inc. Total contract amount, $49,213,192.13. And this contract is for transportation as well. The last contract is contract number 600-4750, 100% UTGO bond funding to provide and install a new overhead garage door at ladder 27. Contract is Secure Door LLC. Total contract amount $30,816. And this contract is for the fire department. Councilmember Santiago Romero, three resolutions, line items 17.4 through 17.6. Thank you. Member Santiago Romero. 
Thank you, Madam President. I will be taking these uh, up separately. I motion to approve line item 17.4. As mentioned, this is the ADA paratransit services, but the contractor here is People's Express. I motion to approve 17.4. All right, motion has been made. Are there any objections? Objection. Discussion. All right, so discussion on 17.4. This is just for the People's Express, not the TransDev. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm good with that. Okay, discussion, <laughs> Member um, Calloway? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Madam Chair, um, can we have a roll call on 17.4, please? On 17.4? Yes, 17.4. All right, there has been a roll call requested, and just this is for People's Express regarding ADA paratransit. Mr. Right. Clerk? Councilmember Durhall? Yes. Councilmember Johnson? Yes. Councilmember Santiago Romero? Yes. Council President Proton Tate? Yes. Councilmember Waters? Yes. Councilmember Whitfield Calloway? Yes. Councilmember Young? Yes. Council President Sheffield? Yes. Councilmember Benson? Yes. Nine yeas, zero nays. That motion is approved. That resolution is approved. Member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Madam President. I motion to approve line item 17.7, .7, noting that this is the 88 page. I'm so sorry. 17.5. This is the comp, uh, the ADA Parent Transit Services. The contractor is TransDev. Um, I motion to approve item 17.5. Right. Discussion. Discussion, Madam Chair. Yes. Uh, um, Madam Chair. Go ahead. Madam thank Calloway. you. Um, I would also like to have my um, my vote noted as a no on 17.5 um, and request a roll call as well. Thank you, Madam Chair. Right. And further discussion, Member Waters. Yeah. Um, I'd like to uh, offer an amendment for, for, for TransDev. They have a five-year contract. I'd like to maybe three years tops. Right. So I don't think we're able to do that, but I do see the director uh, has joined us and has been waiting patiently okay. all morning. I apologize, <laughs> Director Oglesby, if you want to join us at the table. Um, I know we're getting down to almost 3 o'clock, but if there are... <laughs> Some questions, yes, you can join us at the table. That's what you do it for. <laughs> All right, good afternoon. Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. Um, did you want, uh, I didn't know how, how you want to do this, is it discussion or you want some background or I'm here for whatever you need. I think at this time we're going to just do, if the council members have any direct questions, you can address those. I have a similar question as Member Waters. Um, there was some concern about it being a five-year contract and the ability for us to maybe do a five-year contract where we can renew annually uh, to allow for performance to be reviewed, et cetera. So can you speak to council's ability to amend the contract? Um, from amending the contract, uh, I know that procurement's on. They'll be able to talk to you specifically about what, what can and can't be done, but I can tell you the repercussions of what happens if we do or don't. Um, so uh, we went through the full bid process. It was a bid where two companies came in. One was Peoples. The other was TransDev with some subset companies underneath, so I'm going to refer to it as a TransDev bundle. Um, so you approved the first one. Um, the second one is the one that's in limbo, so I don't know from a procurement standpoint how we can actually do that when 70% of it is TransDev. So that's one part I think that procurement would have to help me out on. 
The other thing is one of the reasons why it's a five-year contract is because of all of the things that the public has asked for. The public has asked for uh, better vehicles, better training, more importantly, uh, uh, a better uh, cost per trip. As you know, it was 1568, and with what we're proposing, it'll be all the way up to 40. Um, dollars. What does that mean? That means uh, not only better service, but hopefully uh, no shortage in operators because right now there's a shortage in operators and part of it is because of the dollar amount. In order to move forward with that, uh, from a business standpoint, if we were asking a company, any company, to come in and put all of this money in up front with the option that it'll be short and you won't make your money back, I think it would be difficult for that negotiation portion. Again, that's something that procurement would have to work through if that is if that is what is and what is wished. Member Waters, <coughs> address. Okay. Is there someone from procurement on, Miss Fulton? As we bring that. Thank you, Madam Chair. We do have Leonard Jones. Madam President, Mr. Jones has been moved over. All right, thank you. Good afternoon, Deputy Chair. Good afternoon. My name is Leonard Jones, Supervisor of the Office of Contracting and Procurement. All right, were you able to hear Member Waters' question? No, I was not. All right, Member Waters, okay. would you like to read right. your question? I, um, I wanted to uh, offer an amendment to... Um, maybe do three years as opposed to five-year contract? That was, that was my question. Two to three years instead of five. Or what, well, if, what the president suggested. Either one would work for me. Renewal or uh, that amendment. I think, I think I may be chiming in on to the wrong contract. I was on for 17.2 and 17.3. That's a crystal group. That, that's gone. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We are on 17.5, and this is regarding TransDev services. Madam Chair? Yes. Correct. Apologies. Pamela Crump. Um, and just a reminder, if OCP could raise their hand for their specific contract, that would be super helpful. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you much. All right. Thank you, Ms. Fulton. We can please bring that individual over. Hello. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hello. Good afternoon. If you can just state your name for us and your title. Pamela Crump, uh, procurement specialist with the Office of Contracting and Procurement. Right, and uh, the RFP, the, the services were advertised for five years. So I'm not sure that's a legal question. If we can amend it to state three years with two, two one-year renewal options, I would have to discuss with legal and with management. All right, Member Waters. <clears throat> Madam President, thank you. How long is that going to take? I can, I'll discuss it today. If I can, if I can add, if I can add that to, to the chair, if I can add to that, um, though I'm not legal or procurement, so they'll look into that. 
one of the things that takes place when you have a five-year contract and the discussion of the, the cost is based on that five-year contract. Should we go back and we said we want a three-year contract, that's a renegotiation of the renegotiation also of the overall dollar amount. So I just want to take that into consideration. I don't think we can hold them at whatever we negotiated at five years. But that's. All right. Thank you. Member Young. Thank you. Good to see you, Director. I just wanted to ask you, tell me exactly what DDOT is absorbing here with this contract. Tell me what services that you're absorbing here, because it's not like it's just business as usual here, right? That's correct. That's correct. Um, I understand that people are, are upset with uh, TransDev, and I've heard a lot of comments, which I can actually comment on if you'd like. Um, but uh, what we're doing is we're taking over uh, the complaints portion, customer service, dispatch, scheduling, eligibility, and contract operations. We're even taking over outreach and direct services. Uh, we have created a position that oversees the entire thing with an executive manager, which I have to my right, Mr. Staley, with many years of experience in paratransit. And uh, we internally are creating an entire group to oversee the actual function. A lot of the complaints about TransDev are in that area. Uh, and there are some others, too, um, uh, um, training and, I believe, cleanliness, which with our oversight, we'll be able to watch also. Um, what has happened is we've went out for an RFP with the thought and the instruction from City Council and the people to just put out an RFP so people from the City of Detroit, people from uh, uh, Michigan can uh, apply to provide this service and the existing providers separately. Uh, what took place is one of the companies did it, Peoples. They did it exactly the way that we had it laid out. Um, the other three that we have did not want to do it themselves. They went through TransDev. So that's how the word TransDev is there. So TransDev is not going to physically have vehicles. TransDev is not going to physically have operators. The subcontractors underneath will, which we'll have control of, and we'll be able to hold TransDev uh, accountable from that standpoint. So all of the things that they were doing, we've removed. All right, thank you. Member Durhaw. Thank you, Madam President, and good afternoon to you. And as it was, was explained last Thursday, I, I know we had the opportunity to have you in front of the Disability Task Force. Again, thank you for coming to that meeting personally, showing up and speaking with residents. Um, but to get deeper, TransDev is just the entity that has the capacity relative to, to do that, but the others are pretty much doing the work. I mean, can you like go deeper? I know you you explained it a certain way. I wish way I could put there. up uh, if they could move uh, Stephanie over. I could put up the actual org chart, and you'd actually physically see exactly what's taking place. If that'll help, I can. I know she's on cue. We can have that done. Yep, they can move. Miss uh, Washington. Uh, uh, Stephanie Davis. Gail. Stephanie Gail Davis. knows who it is. If we can move her over, please. And then put the actual org chart up, and I'll be able to show you exactly what's taking place. I think the problem here is the word transdev, and it's understandable. While uh, they're pulling that up. Um, TransDev has not performed well over a six-year period, I, five years before I came here, and then they've done okay since I've been here, but not, satis but not satisfactory. Um, so the actual function that they have, I have a problem with them with, we have removed and taken over. Um, what they submitted was a, a good, that's good. What they have submitted is a provider box or the provider piece. Um, and the way that they found a way to do that is 
When you go through the RFP process with the city, and again, um, procurement could probably get into more depth if you need it, um, there's a lot of things, insurance, a lot of uh, qualifications that are required, not only through the RFP, but through the city. And a lot of small companies just don't want to deal with that. So TransDev is kind of the conduit who came in and took care of the ugly portions of it, if you will. I'll call it ugly because it's financial and, and all of that. And uh, it allows the providers to be able to ride under it, and that's what they wanted. Um, they had the opportunity to bid individually. And I would also like to mention that the only two contracts going through this process that made it through were Peoples and the TransDev bundle. There were no other ones. The other two, one was eliminated, I believe it was conflict of interest, and the other one was eliminated because it didn't meet the minimal requirements. So we were expecting, and I say we, we were expecting a flood of companies to come in and say, hey, we want to do this. It didn't happen. If you look at the organization, if you can show uh, show the organizational chart before that and remove that funny little thing there, okay. So if you see here, this is how it looks today. On the top is DDOT Manager. You're looking at them, unfortunately, because you know there was no one else to oversee it when I first came. And then uh, everything in gray that you see there that's boxed in, TransDev Manager, Operations Manager, Call Center Supervisor, Schedulers, Lead Dispatcher, Call Center Reps, and Eligibility is all that's in place today that people are complaining about. That's a complaint. They are in control of that. What that basically is, is TransDev was acting as our staff. It was decided years ago, that's the format, that's a brokerage system. So that's them acting as our staff, and it's a fox watching the chicken coop. It was very obvious that that's the case. Um, so as we moved forward, next slide, the new green that you will see is us. So it goes from one single box to every single job that I just mentioned, customer service, dispatch scheduling, all the customer service reps and dispatchers are there, manager of, uh, of eligibility and eligibility reps, the contract operations person, which is the most important because they're the ones that's going to, that are going to be out in the field really overseeing the contractors, and then the outreach services specialist. So everything in green is us. Now, if you take a look down at the dotted line at the very bottom row, I'll just go bottom row first. The bottom row, the first one is People Express. They went straight, straight to us through the bid. The next is Delray United. The next is Mo Transportation. The next is Big Star. Those are the providers that are going to be providing the service. But those three that I indicated to you are doing it through TransDev, and TransDev is going to be what was the one that put in the bid that kind of um, um, uh, took, absorbed all of the kind of insurance-related uh, uh, things, the parts that the, 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 the um, smaller companies didn't want to do. Is there anything else I missed? Yeah. Yeah. So just a quick follow-up, just to clarify. TransDev has the ability on the insurance-related side to be able to cover some of the necessities that are needed to contract with us. However, we have moved a lot of the things that they have done in-house to DDOT, which you guys will be handling now. And then the three will just provide the services, basically provide the rides. They'll, they'll provide the rides, right. And if we can go back to that previous slide again, the, the um, box on the corner that's dotted lined, it's hard to see, it says contract operators. That's the section that TransDev is in. 
is way over here. We've taken all of that and moved them over here, and that's what we're, we're showing. Again, one of the problems is the word transdev's there, and people are having a problem with it because for years transdev has been a poor performer. They've been a poor performer in the areas that we've taken the responsibility for, and I'm respecting the process, and the process ended in this fashion. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Member Madam President. I just have a brief question. I'm sorry, Member Waters, before you go, Member Johnson did have her hand oh, raised, okay, and then no I'll problem. come straight to you, oh, Member right. Waters. I, I'm sorry, Member Johnson. No, <laughs> Thank, you, Johnson. Drink, Thank you, Madam President. Um, so I'd like to get some clarification on the role that TransDev currently plays, and I understand that they will oversee these three, the three um, companies Oops. moving forward, um, but what role do they currently play if I can address that uh, through the chair, uh, Michael Staley, executive manager of Paratransit. Uh, Transdev currently operates the call center, so they're taking the reservations, um, they're putting the schedules together, and they're dispatching the service, as well as responding to customer complaints and performing the eligibility certification process. To underscore what the uh, director said, under the new model, um, City of Detroit employees will uh, book the reservations, we'll create the schedules, we'll dispatch the service, we'll be responsible for eligibility certification, so anybody that wants to enroll in the complimentary paratransit system will go through a DDOT employee. Uh, customer complaints will come in through the general DDOT complaint line, and then we'll be responsible for not only investigating the complaint, but also coming up with a resolution and where remedial actions required will be responsible for that as well. And we also have a outreach direct services specialist who will be our liaison with uh, the disabled community um, and perform a number of functions uh, that will allow us uh, to share information uh, with members of the disabled community. Yes, and if I could add to that, um, I'd like for um, procurement to, to make a comment on the fact that there's a provision in the contract, like a lot of contracts, that a contract can be terminated, um, and I believe it was uh, for non-performance, and also we can <clears throat> hit them with liquidated damages. So it's a five-year contract, but it's based on performance. Uh, through you, Madam President, um, to Director Oglesby, so uh, essentially what you've described is an administrative role that TransDev currently plays. Does, does TransDev have vehicles that they actually operate? Through the chair, no. They do not. So, so there's not, although we are taking on the front end of the administrative side, TransDev is still acting in the same role. That's we're not seeing. That's not correct. Everything that we showed you is what they did. We've taken it away. So talk about what Transdev's current role is. Um, I would describe it, with all due respect, I would describe it as uh, more of an operational role. Under the new model, it is more of an administrative role. Um, so again, uh, we'll be performing um, the, the reservation process, uh, the scheduling, the dispatching of the service. Uh, Transdev, and we will, through our uh, contract manager uh, have direct oversight responsibility not only for People Express but also for the three subcontractors within that TransDev bundle. And, and Madam President, 
Uh, thank you so much for the time. I do just have one last question. Um, how do you expect the residents' experience to change with TransDev still being involved, um, still playing the role that they've played, and essentially we're just, we just have different vehicle operators that are working under TransDev and the training that's provided by them? So, so I just want to, to underscore again, there are a lot of complaints about customer service and dispatch. We've taken that over, so that's going to be different. The scheduling portion of the vehicle showing up late, we've taken full responsibility. We're taking that over. The eligibility portion, we are taking that over. TransDev currently has it, so it is different. Um, and then contract operations and outreach, we've completely taken over. So the portion uh, that's probably sticking in people's uh, mind is probably the training part, right? Correct. Right. So you can go into detail on that. And, and if I can just, uh, if I can just piggyback on that, uh, I, I've been on the ground now for four months. The the three top issues that I heard about was service reliability. Vehicle doesn't re uh, arrive on time. I don't get dropped off on time. The second one was driver training. The third one was vehicle condition. We've taken responsibility for the service reliability piece in that we're going to book the trip. We're going to schedule the service. We're going to uh, dispatch the vehicles as they're out on the street in real time. As it relates to the driver training issue, um, if you would look at this RFP versus uh, past RFPs, uh, there's more stringent requirements for not only the number of hours of training, but also the content of the training course. In addition, both the contract manager and myself will be in those training courses to make sure that what we required in the RFP is what's delivered uh, by the service providers, as well as the contract manager will be uh, routinely doing uh, files on audits, not only for driver credentials, but also for driver uh, driver training. Yep, and if I could add to that, especially based off our last meeting that we had, there were a lot of people in the community that offered uh, some some assistance in the training arena, and I open, openly accept it. So one of the things we're going to have to do, but of course we need to uh, walk before we run. We need to take this over. This is a monumental move to start moving forward with running it the right way. Then we'll start looking at some additional uh, things should we see some slipping in training or should there be issues uh, taking place. I don't foresee it because something tells me that the public will let us know if it is. Um, but if it does, then we'll address it at that time. And, and one thing that I did forget to mention, the third piece was uh, vehicle conditions. So um, we'll see the average uh, age of the fleet decrease um, under, this, uh, under this new model, in part because of the introduction of some new vehicles and in part um, because of um, some vehicles that will get traded out based on who some of the current service providers are. That contract manager, one, also will have direct oversight responsibility for doing vehicle inspections, doing vehicle audits, um, and also looking at uh, maintenance files. And, and through the chair, if I could actually add to that, one thing that's very important is that the current TransDev contract, as it exists today, is going to end at the end of the year. So at the end of the year, no matter what, it ends. So moving forward, uh, we have 30% of the service approved, so we'll be able to provide 30% of the service. But the the entire ability to manage this and over to see this uh, will require a little more service than 30%. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Thank you. Member Waters. Thank you, Madam President. Um, 
I certainly appreciate all of the changes that, that the department has, has worked in order to improve some things, but I just, I'm just still so concerned about those who will be utilizing uh, this service and their lack of faith in, in TransDev. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing for me to sit here and make decisions, but I, I'm not using the transportation. So, um, and, and that deeply concerns me. So I want to know, let me just see if I can clarify a couple of things. Is TransDev still paying the uh, subcontractors that will provide oversight to TransDev? Or can TransDev investigate their own complaints with their drivers? Um, the drivers will be working for TransDev? I'm, I'm trying to understand all of those little things. Sure. If you look at the, the, the org chart there, so the customer service complaints, dispatch, and scheduling will be us. That's it. Okay. Right? So it'll, it'll be us. We, we have full uh, control over the complaints, eligibility, and contract operations. I think, again, the, the, the thing is sort of, well, why is TransDev there then? If you have these companies, why are they there? The other three companies would not bid unless they were part of it. Member Waters. Thank you. Right. Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, what you've explained to me um, sounds a little convoluted, um, a lot of entanglement, and a lot of blurred lines. I don't understand why we would have city employees. It sounds like they'll be working for a TransDev. I mean, you can explain it. They're taking over TransDev's responsibilities, is what I'm hearing you're saying, Directors Ogilvy. Then why do we need TransDev? I'm going to vote on behalf of the people. They have come here time and time again asking us not to do business with TransDev. They're the ones who are riding the buses. They're the ones who are subjected to whatever the service is or is not. I'm not. So I'm going to um, um, cast my vote in favor of the people, and it'll probably not be in favor of TransDev. This is a $49 million contract. If most of what they were tasked to do or contracted to do is now not going to be done by them, but by city employees, why do we need them? Uh, Madam Chair, thank you. Thank you. Was it, you want sorry, Mr. is that a question? Do you want him to respond? Uh, you didn't hear the question, oh, Directors Ogilby? No, I, I'm sorry. You, oh, oh. you were saying you, were, you weren't, you were voting against it. So okay, I so I, was that was a statement. So my uh, question uh, to you, Dr. Ogles, D Directors Ogilby, I said this is a $49 million contract. It sounds a little convoluted and entangled and blurred in terms of what the responsibilities will be for city employees with respect to TransDev. So if a lot of these responsibilities are going to be assumed by city employees, why do we need TransDev okay, to so manage city employees? To me, that's a conflict of interest to have a company outside of the city because they are in Illinois managing city employees and city services. Well, through the thank, chair. thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Through the chair, um, TransDev will not be managing city employees, so that's not factual. Okay. What, okay, Madam Chair? M Member Calloway. I, 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 I'm clearly not understanding what is going to be their responsibility if you just sat here and said that city employees will be taking on what TransDev was doing prior to sure. today. So that is a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought I answered. Let me start over again. If, we could, if they could go back to the previous slide. 
The previous slide shows what TransDev is doing today. So the functions that TransDev is doing right now, which is an operational function, sort of acting as staff, currently does the call center, call center supervisor, lead dispatcher, call center reps, schedulers, uh, customer service reps, and eligibility. That's what they do today. We as a department are going to take exactly what I just described away, and we are going to do it. So they will report through Mr. Staley to myself, to all of you. We will be controlling that piece. So the only part that's now out to bid is just a provider piece, providing the service day-to-day -day as far as the actual physical vehicles. If we own the vehicles, then we do that piece too, but that's another discussion. So the providers are now the only thing in play. So TransDev does this now. The providers are the only thing in play. Now go to the next slide, and that's the portion, the only thing in play is where you see it. So to your point, if that said Peoples, Delray United, Mo Transportation, and Big Star, without TransDev there, everybody would be raising the roof and saying this is great. But because TransDev worked with those three companies to provide, to, to apply for that provider piece, which is different, so they're in a different role, right, is where you see it. So therefore, all of the green TransDev's no longer doing, we're doing as a city. And I'm sorry, that's why I was confused. The green is us, and the, the dotted line is now the provider, which is TransDev. And then, so there, therefore, back to your question of then, why do we need TransDev? Well, we, we really don't need TransDev. We put out an RFP, and a bid came in, and the providers needed TransDev. So when the people that are writing saying we hate TransDev, clearly the providers aren't. And that's, that's, that's the outcome of the RFP that took place. That is not opinion, that's fact. Thank you. Direct, um, Member Calloway. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. So if all those pieces, um, if we can go back to the prior slide, are being removed from um, TransDev, then, then there should be some, I guess, an adjustment to the contract. Because what was this contract based on? Was it based on what the previous slide um, indicated, or is it this other one? I'm just trying to understand what is this 49 million based on? If a lot of what they were doing before is now being removed and being um, services being performed by city employees. So are the city employees, are they going to be a new group of city employees? Are we going to retrain these employees? Are we going to pay them more for taking on, you know, additional responsibilities and duties? How does that work? So I, I have a full PowerPoint that leads into that, but I'll try to make it as, as, as succinct as possible. Yes, in going through with this over the past 14 months, our goal was to take all of this in-house, which means we created all the positions as Detroit positions, we created the min-max levels and everything. Then we put together the job descriptions. We did that. Then we put them out. We put them out, and we're hiring people. And we're hiring right now for those who are listening. Uh, and we're hiring to create a whole separate subset to oversee this. So that's what's taking place. And that green, we're doing right now. 
simultaneously we went out for the RFP, we're doing two things at once to get the providers. It seemed like the provider piece was going to be the easiest piece. Put out the RFP for the providers, we get it in, and we move forward, and then bam, transfers names down in there. And that's where the, the issue is coming. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Fong. Oh, thank you. Uh, President Potentate. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you for being here, Director. Uh, appreciate the work that you've done in working to help transform this department over the years. I know it's not an easy lift. Um, we, we're, we're getting better statements than we've gotten in the past, but clearly we're not there yet. Um, my question is, in terms of the contract, and I think we were kind of going there, but I really would like to know, the contract that they're currently operating under, what are the terms? Um, I should be able to tell us if, if well, you can. Well, yeah, uh, off, the, off the top of my head, uh, procurement will be able to tell you, but I, I can tell you what I remember. Um, the original term, the original terms prior to this you're talking about, yes, the original was six years ago. It was a five-year contract. It was a five-year contract, and I believe the total, total amount was something like around, and again, uh, $7.4 million a year to provide the service, and then each year there was an escalator. As the escalator moved forward, that was based on ridership. So they, they guessed what the ridership was and went forward. It ended up that the ridership started being more, so the actual cost started being more. And then I think um, it looks like uh, they weren't performing uh, the way that the contract was, was meant to be, and that's why people have been upset over the years, and legitimately so based on the information that I've seen. Okay, so it looks like we're now talking around about $10 million a year, because it's a $49 million contract. Uh, five years, yeah, give or take, right? Give or take, so give or take. It's around. around I believe it's thirteen, but yeah. So the, and I know that you know over time, inflation, all that goes up. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's being taken out are items that they once were doing. I think part of what you, I know what I'm hearing from from the community is, look, the, these folks have not done us right, right. and they have not done us right for a number of years. Right. Uh, they have not done this right even when you came in and, and helped transform how wrong it was and what they were doing. Mm -hmm. I think what folks would want to hear is where's the pain that TransDev has to suffer? Uh, not so much get rid of the contract that you want anything physically harmful to happen to them, but where do they, quote, unquote, lose, if you will, uh, in terms of reputation, in terms of dollar amount? Because, again, when you see this contract, TransDev. $10 million a year, which is higher than what it was previously when it came to us. We now have the city employees doing some of the services that TransDev just couldn't get right. And these are very important. These are the people-facing things, not the stuff behind the scenes where folks don't see, but the stuff that really makes us look good or bad mm -hmm. is what now is being taken away from them. Um, and I'm glad that your, your, your department is, is willing to step up and do it and actually have the capability. But I think this is what where I want to hear, but certainly the community, those who have been complaining for years about TransDev, where, where do they, quote, unquote, lose? Where, where, where's the, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Where, where's where, the, where do they Where's lose? the pain? Yeah, where, where's the pain? I understand. Um, how do I answer this? Okay, so first of all, the dollar amount is higher for various reasons. Uh, various reasons that we have put things in this RFP that everybody wanted that cost money. Again, $15 per trip, $40 per trip. That money is to be passed through for various things that are required, better vehicles, better pay for the operators. So even though you're hearing the word transdev and they hear, 
it's these three entities, and I wish they were here, it's these three entities that the pass-through is going to benefit. Can I just add to that briefly? Um, I've been doing paratransit for uh, 36 years. I started out as a paratransit bus operator. Uh, my hometown is Cincinnati, Ohio, and I've operated paratransit services throughout the United States. Um, while public transportation may be rather a large community, uh, the complementary paratransit community is a much smaller community. One of the first questions that's going to be asked of perhaps council members, executive director, me, why Detroit changed the model? And the obvious answer is going to be because they weren't getting what they needed to get from TransDev, and they took responsibility for that. So within that larger public transportation community, within the smaller subset of complementary paratransit, is it going to have a, a lasting impact on a multinational company's reputation? I don't know, but the question is going to be raised, why did the model change in Detroit? And the answer is going to be because TransDev, under the old model, could not deliver the type of service that the, that the citizens of Detroit uh, expected and should have received. And, and to, to piggyback on that, that means that as they move forward and they go for business other places, they have to come to us to ask what their performance level was. And their performance level at the time when they were operating all of that would not get a good review. That would probably be the only way other than that. Uh, because it goes through an RP process, we have to follow the structure and all of that stuff. So but I understand that people want to, to hear, um, you know, transitives in there, but don't give them X or don't give them Y. It was part of the proposal. What, what are the budget implications for the department, seeing that we're absorbing some of those tasks that they were once charged with doing? I don't know if this was anticipated during the budget, budget process. Uh, what, what are those costs? So overall, bringing, bringing transportation in-house, and I don't know if you recall, I brought a bunch of presentations forward. One was uh, looking at nine options on how to run it. Then we went through public comment. It went down to four, and then we chose the one we, we chose. We showed that at the time we were spending about $9.8 million to provide transportation at this time, but to move forward to bring it in-house and to do this model, we need an extra $5 million. So the total was $15 million, in which City Council approved, and when new City Council came, I did a presentation that showed it again. So the total amount is $15 million already in the budget, and it is not federally funded. It's worked into the budget with the same respect that fixed route has worked into the budget. So it's brought to a whole other level for us to bring everything in-house. So the total amount is $15 million versus $10 million. And then it, it, my last question is in terms of, like, metrics for the training. What does that stand? How do we, how do we as a body, if we approve this contract, hold folks accountable for for that aspect? Well, within within the RFP, it was very specific about uh, the, the the type and the amount of training for the paratransit bus operators. So again, uh, the contract manager, who will be a DDOT employee, uh, and I will be involved in uh, the auditing of of that process. As it relates to the overall metrics, what we're going to be looking to do is providing a higher level of service that's safe, reliable, customer-oriented, and cost-effective. Safe, what's the accident injury rate? Uh, on time, um, there's a standard in the uh, RFP uh, of 95% of the pickups or appointment times being made on time. Um, as, it, as it relates to the cost-effectiveness, we're looking at the productivity of the system, how many, how many trips are we transacting um, an hour, 
And then the biggest piece uh, is it customer oriented or not. So we'll be looking at our complaints um, versus the number of trips that we transact. And all of that information, obviously, we'll be collecting um, and it, we'll be reporting that out as directed by city council or whomever else. Right. The key performance indicators will be public. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Pro Tem. Uh, Member Santiago Romero. Oh, Madam President, I have no comments. I'm ready to move this forward if there are no other questions or comments from my colleagues. All right. And then uh, M Member Young had the last hand raised. Yeah, um, first of all, uh, Director. Can you speak louder if you're next, not next to the microphone? Oh, okay. First of all, I just want to say uh, thank you, Director Oglesby. Uh, I appreciate that you actually took the time to listen to our um, disabled community and their citizens and, and you know, come up with the best program necessary in order to solve these issues. I just want to ask you for a different question. What happens if this contract isn't approved in your, and from your perspective? What happens, to, what happens to the services that are provided? What happens to this serve, repair transit service? Well, um, you've approved uh, 30%, so I know I'll be able to run 30%. Uh, if we went back to the drawing board, this took about a year. Um, uh, I don't know if the result would be any different based on the fact that all of the providers had the opportunity to, and, and we actually reached out also to make sure that they did. Um, but I can assure you that I can run 30% of the service at the end of uh, uh, January 1st. What does that look like, 30%? Terrible. It's not, it's no, 30% is no service. Complaints will go up. Um, can you define what terrible means? I mean, can you just give me just that kind of doomsday scenario a little bit? If you think that complaining about TransDev was a problem, when we take it over, it'll look like we didn't do anything. So we'll be. Can I quantify it? Yes, sir. It'll be 300 trips instead of 1,000 a day. Right. <sighs> that we can provide transit to. And to top it off, we also have um, uh, New Freedom, uh, which I intend on uh, moving forward. It was going to end at the end of the year. I, I intend on uh, move, bringing it forward to say we're going to do it for another year when we bring it on board. And typically New Freedom is only filled when there's availability of vehicles. So if there's no availability of vehicles, I'll have the program, but I won't be able to service it. Thank you. Thank you. Member uh, Dorha. Thank you, Madam President. And again, <clears throat> you know, we've had these conversations uh, in the Disability Task Force. We're still following up on some things as well. I noticed that a couple members, even at this table, asked questions about the length of the contract. and mm -hmm. uh, We didn't have an opportunity to chime in from law uh, or uh, the office of the CFO. So, Madam President, uh, pending some of that information and the fact that we've been at this table all day uh, and those answers probably won't come in this session, I'd like to make a motion to postpone this at least for one week mm -hmm. to have the ability to have those questions answered, uh, as well as, you know, maybe try to find an alternative to where, where folks can support it um, uh, for this All contract. Right. All right. Thank you, Member Durha. So there's a motion to postpone the contract for one week. Is there any discussion? Discussion? Yes, Member Benson? Maybe I missed this. So what's the alternative to what's being proposed? I understand that there was a discussion on there, 70% less, let me just let me finish, on 70% less trips provided for that community. But if this is fails, what does paratransit look like in the city of Detroit? Oh, we don't have an alternative right now. Right. So so the, the we'll, we'll be short 
70 uh, percent of the service and remember the request would be to go back to transdev and negotiate uh less and they're currently carrying out the contract to the end and will be subject to whatever their response is and when's the contract end this summer uh end of the year so we're going to start january 1st so end so of we, december so we need to have an alternative by one january Is that accurate? Yes, but okay. there is no alternative. So, and this body goes on recess the fourth week of November. So we need to have, if this fails, then we need to have you come back with something, or we will not have service unless there's a carryover provision for transdev. Is there a carryover provision? We can speak up. Ms. Maddox is having trouble hearing okay. us. Is there a carryover provision if this fails? Um, to tell you the truth, I, I don't think so. I can look and see. I remember that when we extended it one year, I was told specifically by city council to make sure that's it. It's the end. So I believe we drew it up as such. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So I, I, I guess the idea here today is po to postpone it for one week, not to vote it down. Um, you know, with the historical issues of transdev, I think we could, you know, try our hardest to strengthen what is before us right now. Uh, and so I guess the motion before us for Member Durhaw is to postpone, to possibly look at how we could possibly amend the contract or provide extra protections mm -hmm. for um, council as it relates to the performance of the contract. So I support just a one-week bring-back. Does that hinder the department at all, Mr. Director Oglesby? Um, it doesn't necessarily hinder the department, but I just want to put things into perspective, and then we can move and forward. And then we're going to move forward. Said. Thank you. Um, the companies are waiting to do the investments that are needed that mm -hmm. we put on them, including purchasing new vehicles. I personally know that if I wanted to buy a Taurus tomorrow, I couldn't get one by January. So we have them on hold waiting to see if they have a contract. Specifically, uh, people's may be in better shape. They may be able to run on and do it. But some of the other providers that are underneath, Delray's pretty big, but the other local providers, one is a Detroit-based provider under Transdev, will not be able to, will most likely would not invest or move forward until then. It was delayed a week, a week ago, and it's delayed, and I think they're getting a little antsy, so I want to make sure they stay on board. Because at any given time, yeah. we don't have a contract. Well, we also don't want the contract to be voted down either. So. Absolutely. I just <laughs> wanted to put like it in perspective. Yeah. That's all. And I'm putting that into perspective that if council members are not um, at a point where they're comfortable, uh, the whole contract could be voted down. And then we're back at a situation where you already mentioned the services will be impacted to Detroiters. Mm -hmm. So there was a motion to postpone it for uh, one additional week. Uh, to allow additional conversations to take place. Are there any objections? All right, hearing none, that motion is approved to postpone for one additional week. All right, thank you, Director Oglesby. We appreciate your patience. Thank you. Thank you. All right, colleagues, we are getting through this from the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Development and Grants. Madam President, I do believe we... I believe we still have 17.6. Oh, I'm sorry, 17.6. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Member Santiago Ramiro. Thank you, Madam President. Motion to approve 17.6. All right, motion has been made. Are there any objections? Hearing none, the one resolution will be approved. From the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Development and Grants. 
Councilmember Santiago Romero, five resolutions, line items 17.7 through 17.11. Councilmember Santiago Romero. Thank you, Madam President. I motion to approve line item 17.7 through 17.11. All right, motion has been made, and this is for the approval of various grants. Are there any objections? Hearing none, the five resolutions will be approved. We will now move, yes. Before we go to new business, before we get too far, uh, I would like to request a waiver on line item 16.11 through 16.14. Uh, those are the uh, in NEZ and other incentives that we uh, provided today. Uh, unanimous will be by this body. 16.11. Through 16.14, yes. Through 16.14, and colleagues, he mentioned that these are various NEZs and abatements that were approved. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that motion is approved. Thank you, Mr. Waver. 16.15, please. 16.15? Yes. And what, what is that one, member? The CDBG contract? PFR. Reprogramming. Motion has been made. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that motion is approved. Madam President, if I may, and pardon me, uh, if I can request a waiver for 14.1, 14.3, 14 14.4, that's noting that 14.1 is a pilot uh, for Trumbull Crossing, 14.3 is an NEZ certificate for John R., and 14.4 is an NEZ certificate for 1242 Fisher in East Village. Colleagues, are there any objections to the waiver? Hearing none, that motion will be approved. We will now move to the new business portion of the agenda from the mayor's office. Councilmember Young, five resolutions, line items 18.1 through 18.5. Councilmember Young. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Madam President. I'd like to move to approve line items 18.1 through 18.5. Motion has been made, and this is the approval of various city events. Are there any objections? Hearing none, the five resolutions will be approved. From the Office of Contracting and Procurement. Madam President, there are two contracts up for a vote today from the Neighborhood and Community Services Standing Committee. Both contracts are for general services. First up, we have contract number 600 100% ARPA funding, public safety, to provide construction services to restore <coughs> and renovate the Detroit Police Department hangar at 11349 Connor Street. Contract is a W3 Construction Company. Total contract amount, $336,989. The next contract is contract number 600-4767, city funding to provide fire vehicles, repair services, labor and or parts. Contract is Kodiak. Emergency Equipment, Inc., total contract amount, $120,000. Councilmember Young, two resolutions, line items 18.6 and 18.7. Councilmember Young. Thank you, Madam President. I move to approve line items 18.6 and 18.7. Discussion? Yes, discussion, Madam Chair. Um, relative to line item 18.6, in committee, we had um, using a member... Um, Young's term, a very robust conversation about this contract, <laughs> and I absolutely oppose it. I absolutely oppose this contract for um, one reason. We're using ARPA dollars for this hangar, and we're talking about $15,000 conference um, um, rooms and $26,000 for a complete makeover of a kitchen. 
these dollars should be used for affordable housing, uh, Madam Chair. And I said that um, during the um, committee meeting, and I say that again today. So I'm asking, um, Madam Chair, do we have a roll call on number um, line item 18.6? Discussion. All right, discussion. Member Young? Thank you, Madam President. Uh, always a pleasure um, talking with my uh, colleague and Vice Chairwoman Calloway. Does an excellent job on the committee, and I'm very blessed to have her on the committee. Uh, I just personally think that, in my opinion, police funding should be going towards police services that are necessary. I think when you're losing 28 officers a month, when you're losing an officer a day, and 90% of that is due to economic concerns, we need to use the money that we have in our police budget to actually deal with issues of either getting more officers or actually towards doing policing things. Now, let's be clear about why we need this hangar. You're having the helicopter, which the purpose of having the helicopter in the first place was so that we could reduce car chases. Because one, you had instances where it was um, dangerous for the pursuer, being the police officer, but also the pursued, where you've had people who are in high-speed chases who have crashed their cars and died on impact. So we have these helicopters for the purposes of being able to prevent that and also being able to track people who are doing donuts in front of people's yards and who are engaging in illegal street racing and the like. But also the reason why we have this hangar is because, one, you're having people who are on call through all times of the day and all times at night. And I think it's very important that they have a proper place for them to be able to get the rest that they need so they can perform their duty at the most optimal level because they're going to be called out usually involving car chases and high speed, which I think everyone in the city, everywhere where I have gone, this has been a significant issue about what are we going to do about our young people out there engaging in this type of activity. And so I think until we actually provide alternatives, until we actually provide places where they can express that talent and skill set, I think it's important for us to be able to invest in this hangar. I think it's important for us to be able to invest in our police officers. And I think it's important for us to be able to reduce crime as well. And uh, I think that we need to provide the best possible place for them in order to do that and use funds that are outside of money that should go directly towards policing for that. And so that's why I supported this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Ms. Fulton, if you can come back on, I just want to be clear. Um, City Council did appropriate uh, money in various categories, one of which was DPD. Uh, and so they are entitled to use and put forward various uh, projects and contracts based on the amount that was appropriated to their particular uh, department. And so this money is coming from DPD's ARPA allocated money, correct? Not taking from anywhere else, housing or et cetera. Through the chair, that is correct. Okay, I just wanted to make sure it is coming from public safety's uh, appropriation. Uh, Member Young? Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Mayor President. I also forgot, I just want to say really quickly, when I was talking about alternatives, I mean about racetracks and things where people could actually, or drag strips where people could actually engage in this type of ability and working with our partners. And, I, and I'll be talking about that at a later date, but that's, I just want to clarify that's what I meant, because I know we can't just arrest our way out of this problem. And we do want to encourage our young people to engage and be involved in racing and that industry. We just have to provide a positive avenue for them to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, member Benson had his hand raised, followed by Member Calloway. All right, thank you. And just to um, reinforce, this is in the third district, and this is located at the city airport. And I'm not sure how many of my colleagues have had an opportunity to visit. If you haven't, I would suggest you go. Mm -hmm. The hangar at that location is austere, to use a word at best, mm -hmm. terrible 
would probably be even a better description of the living conditions of our pilots and uh, men and women who fly the helicopter and support uh, that piece of equipment. And so this gets our first responders into basic um, living conditions that would, will, would support their living there, sleeping there, and working there. And I believe we need to do, look at all of our assets where our, our, our employees work, especially our fire stations, especially our other police precincts, <coughs> where they have been living in austere conditions and working austere conditions for decades. This is a great opportunity to start this process. It's a great investment. And I also suggest looking at ARPA funds as these are once-in-a-lifetime dollars. And so when you get these type of dollars, you also invest in infrastructure. And this is an opportunity to invest in infrastructure, which then gives you money, opportunity to free up your general fund to support the great programs that this body demands and receives. And our residents have come to expect. And so this is just another way to invest in something that has to be invested in. You have to invest in your house. You have to invest in housing your employees and your residents. And this is another way to do that using once-in-a-lifetime money. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional? Yeah, just yes, Member Calloway. Yeah, thank you, Madam Chair. Again, um, I do not believe that ARPA dollars should be used to renovate um, a hangar. Um, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know what else to say. We we thought that seven million dollars from ARPA was going to go toward Shot Spotter to address um, crime in our city. We were able to find, or DPD DPD was able to find seven million dollars out of their own budget. So the shop. Um, Shot Spotter was not funded by um, ARPA dollars, but large conference room, $10,000. Administrative office, $7,000. This is at the hangar. Administrative office, B, $14,000. Bathroom and shower, $15,000. A locker room area, I just want the public to hear this, $36,000. Kitchen area, $20,000. ARPA dollars. Kitchen area cabinets, close to $50,000. Hallway area, $7,700. Sleeping quarters, $19,000. Single-use bathroom, $25,000. A ceiling, or ceiling, $14,000. Lighting, $11,000. HVAC system, $14,000. Paint, $24,000. Bond and insurance using ARPA dollars, $41,000. Contingency, still don't know what that is, $16,000. So again, I do not believe that ARPA dollars should be used to renovate a hangar. The money is in DPD's budget, and that's where it should come from. Thank you, Madam Chair. Member Waters. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Madam President. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that DPD is using some of their allocated ARPA dollars. Um, and Member Benson did state that it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, for DPD to really take on some much-needed, much-needed renovations and um, all of those things that they need in order to, to do their job. Ordinarily, I might be opposed to something like this, but I, but I, but I, but I can see where it makes sense that they use their ARPA dollars. I certainly do not want it to come out of their general fund. And the reason is because I need them to get busy hiring some of, some police officers that we can use out in our communities. We only have a certain window to properly use these ARPA dollars. 
And so here's a unique opportunity uh, to make the necessary renovations. And the, and the police department is just so, so critical uh, for this city. So it's a, a unique opportunity for them to do the necessary, some necessary upgrades so that they can properly do their job and better take care of the people uh, in this city. And that's just kind of my own view on it, Madam, mm -hmm. Madam President. I, I, um, I do support All right, thank using you. it. All right, thank you, Member Waters. Um, so Member Young has moved these for approval, 18.6 through 18.7. Motion has been made. Are there any objections? Objection. The clerk would note. Which yes. line? You just state the line item, Member Calhoun. Um, we haven't had a discussion on 18.7, Madam Chair. We were still discussing 18.6. So are we on 18.6 or are we combining them? Dr. Powers. The motion was to move uh, for approval 18.6 and 18.7. All right. Is there still discussion for 18.7? Yes, please, Madam Chair. All right. um, discussion, Member Calloway? Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. We also had a robust conversation about this particular contract as well. We have companies in the city of Detroit who have been doing this business for over 32 years. We just awarded another contract almost similar to this to a company in Warren, Michigan. Uh, we were able to carve out a quarter of a million dollars for a Detroit-based company to do some of the work that the Warren company was awarded a $12 million contract to do. We do have companies, again, that can do this work in the city, and I just don't know why, or provide, I think it was propane liquid. Um, we did get to the bottom of this contract because there were some um, misunderstanding of what this contract represented. I thought it was a um, product con uh, contract, but it came out during the discussions and questions that this is a product and a service type um, contract. So I do oppose this contract. and. Um, for the reasons I stated during the committee meeting, I think it was last week, that this particular contract should be going to, in my opinion, a Detroit-based company, a minority or a woman-owned company. Thank you, Madam Chair. And I'll continue to say that. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Any further discussion on these two line items? All right. Hearing no further discussion, motion has been made for approval for 18.6 and 18.7. Are there any objections? Objection, Madam Chair. All right, starting with Member Calloway. Uh, I just want to be noted as a no on 18.6 and 18.7, and thank you. Thank you. Member Waters? Thank you. Um, no on 18.7. Thank you. And Mr. Clark, if you can show me a no on 18.7. Clerk will so no. Are there any other objections? Hearing none, the two resolutions will be approved. From the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Development and Grants. Councilmember Santiago Romero, seven resolutions, line items 18.8 through 18.14. Councilmember Santiago Romero. Thank you, Madam President. I motion to approve line items 18.8 through 18.14. All right. Thank you. Motion has been made, and this is for the acceptance of various grants. Are there any objections? Hearing none, the seven resolutions will be approved. From 18.8, and this is a grant for the air quality bus replacement grant. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that action will be taken. From the Office of the Chief Financial Officer, Office of Development and Grants. 
Council Member Young, two resolutions, line items 18.15 and 18.16. Council Member Young. Thank you, Mayor President. I move to approve line items 18.15 and 18.16. All right. Motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? <clears throat> Hearing none, the two resolutions will be approved. All right. Um, motion has been made for a waiver for the accepting of a donation of a basketball court for the Conant, Minnesota Park. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that action will be taken. Under resolutions. Council Member Benson, two resolutions, line items 18.17 and 18.18. Member Benson. Motion has been made, and this is to waive the privilege from the law department's memorandum dated October the 17th regarding the city's ability to ban flavored tobacco, and that is two privilege and uh, confidential memorandums. Are there any objections to waive the privilege? Hearing none, the two resolutions will be approved. Request waivers on both. A waiver has been requested. Do it for discussion. Um, discussion. Yeah, I just I just have a question. Like, wait, why are we doing? I don't know if I addressed this to the law department or, or LPD, but what what does this do? Waving waving this privilege. Just kind of tell me what why why is this necessary, Madam President? Mr. Whitaker, you waive the privilege to allow for further fuller discussion on the issues raised in the privilege document. Otherwise, you would not be able to talk about it. A privileged document. Because it's attorney client privilege, Open. right? Right. You okay. have to do it in a closed session. I just want to be some clarification. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Madam President. I'm done. No problem. All right. Uh, there was a waiver requested for those two line items. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that action will be taken. For the President's report on standing committee referrals and other matters for the Budget, Finance, and Audit Standing Committee. Three reports of various city departments. The three reports will be referred to the Budget, Finance, and Audit Standing Committee for the Internal Operations Standing Committee. 13 reports from various city departments. The 13 reports will be referred to the Internal Operations Standing Committee for the Neighborhood and Community Services Standing Committee. Two reports from various city departments. The two reports will be referred to the Neighborhood and Community Services Standing Committee for the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee. Eight reports from various city departments. The eight reports will be referred to the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee for the Public Health and Safety Standing Committee. 20 reports from various city departments. The 20 reports will be referred to the Public Health and Safety Standing Committee under the consent agenda. There are no items, Madam President. We will now call for a motion to suspend our member reports. Discussion? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Motion has been made. Hearing no objections, we will suspend our member reports. Madam President? Um, yes, Member Benson. Press a waiver on 1811 and 18.3. If you can state what those are, please. 18.3 petition of Detroit 300 Conservancy, Downtown Detroit Partnership for events. The first one beginning on the 18th of November. And then 18.11 is the Pedestrian Bicycle Overtime Enforcement Grant. All right. Motion has been made. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that action will be taken. Madam Chair. Yes, I was coming to you, Ms. Fulton. Thank you so much and apologies. 
uh, through you to this honorable body, it was brought to my attention that DPD does indeed need to uh, postpone the vote, if you would, for the um, hangers contract or remove it automatically in totality. Uh, this was an error. They are going to revisit this matter. Um, and I know you did vote on it, but it would be greatly appreciated. All right. So motion to reconsider 18.6. There's a motion to reconsider 18.6. Um, and before we do that, Dr. Power, so Ms. Fulton, can you just clear it? Do you want us to remove it from the agenda altogether? Madam Chair, that is correct. And if you can give some explanation behind what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, DPD's operations advise that they're going to revisit this at the beginning of the year. They're currently looking at the hangers and there may be a possibility for them to revise this contract or uh, do some further uh, due diligence. And that is why it's being requested that it be removed. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's a lot of questions, uh, Ms. Fulton, and some concerns as to why we're here to date. Um, council members, the request is, though, to reconsider our vote. Um, is there further discussion on this line item? Objection. <laughs> Pro President Pro Madam Chair. We already voted. Yes. Yes, Ms. Uh, I, thank you, and apologies to this honorable body. I do believe that the department, um, OCP, uh, do need to um, be on one accord, and that is why we're requesting it be removed. All right, um, uh, Member Young, you motioned to reconsider. Um, yeah. Is there any objection to reconsider our vote for that? What's the line item again? 18.6. 18. 18. Objection. Discussion. Still discussion. All right, <laughs> Member Benson. So, this has been through committee, was held for a week. We had a long discussion this afternoon. Why at this late stage, after the contract has been approved, are we now getting a request to remove? Ms. Fulton, if you can come back on. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. I'm doing some typing in the interim. Yes, through you, Madam Chair, to Member Benson, it was brought to my attention that this item needed to be removed yesterday. Um, and through miscommunication with the department, they needed to actually um, not have this move forward. I did double check to try to confirm. However, it was brought to my attention now that we cannot move forward with this. And that is why OCP and the department um, need to sync up on this before we bring this back to your honorable body. The need is still in place. Uh, we do need these hangers. However, operationally, OCP and the department need to do their due diligence and have further conversation and discussions. So, and why don't they, aren't, why aren't they on, in sync? And why doesn't this work after it was approved? Through the chair, uh, to Member Benson, I can definitely follow up with your office in writing after this meeting. Um, but at this time, it was brought to my attention that we cannot move forward with this contract via DPD. Thank you. Okay. Just through the president, that doesn't answer my question, but thank you very much. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm, it's very clear the questions haven't been answered. Um, and so I guess at this point, we need to decide if we're going to reconsider uh, our vote. The motion is on the floor. Objection. We have one objection. objection. All right, Member Benson. In I support. Support. I support uh, taking it off, but I can't support that I'm going to vote for it again when it comes back. Right, right. So they want it off, I support. All right, so we have two objections to reconsider. Uh, the motion is approved to reconsider. 
And Member Young, if you can now motion to remove it from the agenda. Madam President, I move to I move to remove line item 18.6 from the agenda. All right, motion has been made to remove 18.6 from the agenda. Are there any objections? Objection. Yeah. All right, if the clerk would note Member uh, Benson and Member Calloway. And then Ms. Fulton, if you could please provide more detailed responses to all of the council members um, as soon as you can, that would be very helpful, okay? Absolutely. My apologies to this honorable body. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yes. Madam Chair, yes. Madam Chair to, to Dr. Pound, to Dr. Ponders. Powers. Powers. I'm sorry. Powers. <laughs> Ponders. Who's Ponders? Okay. That was with Gamma Phi Delta. I'm sorry. Um, through the chair to Dr. Powers, what has just happened? Because we've already voted for a contract. And now we have the administration wanting us to unvote what we've already voted on. So I don't understand what we're doing here because we've already voted on it and it was voted up. Yeah. Well, we and they know it was voted up. We reconsider so, votes all the time. Madam Chair, yep. through the, we can to, go to, to Dr. Dr. Powers, Powers, but we, can, we reconsider vote. I just want to hear the, the explanation. Dr. Powers, go right ahead. Yeah, thank you, um, Madam Chair. Mm -hmm. If I may, Madam Chair, first say that um, you should announce the vote for the uh, removal. You didn't. You didn't. That motion is approved. Thank you, ma'am. To remove. Yes. Dr. Powers. Now, um, relative to um, Member Callaway's question, um, reconsiderations are are appropriate uh, as long as we're still in the meeting, and um, as a result of this particular reconsideration, rather than approving the contract, it has been removed at the request of the department. So that means it doesn't matter that that the body approved it, this motion that just took place to remove it is uh, the one that would stand. Madam Chair. Um, Galloway. Thank, thank you, Madam Chair. I think the administration has wasted our time. I do believe that they, because they said the contract should not have been on the agenda. Why didn't we get that information before we even got to that line item and spent almost 30, 40 minutes talking about it just to sit up here and vote on it and now we're reconsidering the vote. So if the administration knew, it feels like we're being dog walked around here. I don't know, improper statement, I, I, re, I, re, um, re, I take that back. But I'm just saying, Madam Chair, that we have sat here for 30, 40 minutes talking about this contract, that they knew that they were going to pull back and withdraw. Why sit here and talk about it and vote on it? And then for them to come back and say, oh, by the way, we didn't want that on the agenda. That's disrespectful to this body. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Member Durha. Move to end discussion, Madam Chair. <laughs> All right. Is that appropriate? Okay. Okay. Motion to end In debate or discussion. Okay. We're going to continue um, on. Uh, what committee were we on here, Mr. Clerk? Under adoption. Under adoption. All right. So we suspended our member reports, and now we are on. Can you, Mr. Clerk, continue for me? Uh, under under adoption without committee reference, there are no items, Madam President. Under the consent agenda? Oh, we already did that. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, now we're. Under communications from the clerk. A report on approved proceedings by the mayor. The report will be received and placed on file under testimonial resolutions and special privilege. Councilmember Whitfield Calloway, a resolution, line item 29.1. 
Member Calloway. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm kind of exhausted, but thank you so much. I uh, would like to read this in my dad's memory and honor, if you all will indulge me. Um, thank you so much to your office. You've been so supportive of getting this resolution typed up and um, uh, formed, and I want to thank Ms. Blessman, Blessman um, and thank you, Madam Chair, for allowing her to work with my office to make this happen. Uh, my dad was born in Columbus, Mississippi in 1931 um, to Turner Whitfield and Julia May Weathers. He was their only child. He attended Union Academy in 1950, and in a small town like that, there were not very many African-Americans to even graduate from high school or even matriculate past elementary school because they were busy working the fields. So I'm very proud of my dad for even um, coming from the environment that he did and the home that he did, that he was able to matriculate and was one of very few blacks to get a um, high school diploma. In 1950, he joined the United States Army and honorably served in the Korean War from 1950 to 1953. He was honorably discharged, last rank was corporal. He received a Korean Service Medal with three bronze campaign stars and United Nations Service Medal. He married his childhood sweetheart, Virginia Hairston, in Columbus, and we um, are part of the largest slaveholding family, the Hairstons in Pennsylvania, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, and uh, Mississippi and Alabama. They're the Hairstons. They come from, they're Dutch, and my mom grew up with some of her um, her cousins from the Hairston clan. You can look that up. There's been documentaries done on my mom's family. And thereafter, they moved to Detroit, Michigan to raise their family. He was hired by Edward C. Levy in Dearborn, Michigan. He was with them for 40 years. He never missed a day of work. He has all of his paycheck stubs. For 40 years, I have all of my dad's paycheck stubs. And then later on, it's not in the testimonial resolution, Edward C. Levy opened up a branch in Columbus, Mississippi. He loved the Detroit Tigers. He was especially fond of Willie Horton, who he watched as a high school player in minor league at Northwestern Baseball Field. He was also an avid fan of the blues and had an extensive collection of blues recordings that are worth quite a bit of money right now. <laughs> and whereas Joe was immensely proud of his family, he and Virginia instilled in their five children a deep appreciation for education and extraordinary work ethic. Out of those five children, there are two of us who are lawyers. One is a PhD who is now deceased. She was Kamala Harris's roommate, one who has a uh, master's degree from John, John Hopkins, and my younger brother, who is now deceased, served in the military with honors. He had an unshakable faith in the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. He and Virginia made their children, um, okay, made sure that they were raised in the church. And on October the 17th, he made his, tran um, his transition. He was preceded in death by his wife, Virginia, and his youngest children, Joe Jr. and Dr. Gwendolyn Whitfield. He leaves to cherish his memory and legacy to his three children, Melvin, Cassandra, and Angela, along with 10 grandchildren, four great-grandchildren, children and now there be it resolved on November the 5th that the Office of Council Member Angela Whitfield Calloway and the Detroit City Council expresses our deepest sympathy and hereby join family and friends in celebrating the life and legacy of Joe Ali Whitfield Sr. And thank you, Madam Chair. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Member Calloway. And of course we are going to move that for approval. Hearing no objections, that resolution will be approved. And we do Madam, have Madam, one. Madam, yes, ma'am. Request a waiver. <laughs> a waiver <laughs> has been requested. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. 
And uh, we do have a walk-on resolution by Council Member Johnson. Uh, Member Johnson. Thank you, Madam President. Move to walk on a resolution to support free and fair elections. All right. The clerk does have this copy. Madam President, I do also want to, I do have it. I want to note that it is on the agenda uh, as okay. a referral, 21.11. 21.11? 21 yes. Okay. All right. So we can just uh, remove 21.11. There we'll no move, move that to new business. You want to just move it to new business? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Member Johnson. Um, thank you, Madam President. I'd like to move line item 23.1 to new business. 21.11. 21.11 to new business. All right. Motion has been made. Hearing no objections, that action will be taken. And Mr. Clerk. Council Member Johnson, a resolution, and this is a line item 21.11 with regards to resolution to support free and fair elections. Member Johnson. Thank you, Madam President. If you all will indulge me, I will read very briefly, very quickly through this. Um, whereas the mission of the Detroit City Council is to promote the welfare of all Detroit citizens through charter mandated legislative functions. And whereas the city of Detroit, the largest and most populous city in Michigan and its elected officials have a well-documented commitment and history of advocating for social justice and civil liberties, including accessibility to the voting booth for its citizens. And whereas the Detroit City Council is committed to partnering and contracting with businesses that also support the principles of social justice and free and fair access to the democratic process of voting for the citizens it serves. And whereas responsible corporate citizenship is an expectation of the businesses located within the borders of the city and or do business with the city of Detroit. And whereas some businesses located within the borders of the city and or do business with the city of Detroit have been scrutinized for providing financial support to individuals and causes that restrict voter access to the polls, thereby circumventing the rights of Detroiters and further undermining our democracy. And whereas it is especially imperative that businesses that do business with the city of Detroit are committed to advancing and protecting the civil rights and well-being of Detroit's citizens, since money spent with these businesses are taxpayer dollars, and whereas a business's corporate practices should align with the values and philosophies they publicly promote and the values of the customers they serve in Detroit, which include denouncing racial inequality and disenfranchisement. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Detroit City Council on this day, November 1st, 2022, does hereby call upon the businesses located within the borders of the city and or do business with the city of Detroit to exercise responsible corporate citizenship and to support social justice and free and fair access to the democratic process for the citizens of Detroit. Therefore, be it further resolved that the Detroit City Council urges businesses located within the borders of the city and or do business with the city of Detroit to immediately align their spending with values and philosophies that support free and fair access to the democratic process for all citizens. Therefore, be it further resolved that the Detroit City Clerk is directed to send this resolution to Mayor Mike Duggan, the Detroit Regional Chamber, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, the Michigan Black Chamber of Commerce, and the National Business League, and to post it conspicuously on the city's website. All right. Thank mm -hmm. you so much, Member Johnson, for submitting this. I'm not sure if you're open to putting this on behalf of the council. Absolutely. Council would like this. All right. So if the clerk would note on behalf of the council, and thank you for putting this forward. Uh, motion has been made for approval. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that motion is approved. And um, before we end, just two quick things. One, I want to remind my 
colleagues um, that the residents of Detroit are eagerly waiting for the reparations task force to be seated. And so I know all of us do have appointments to make. And so if we can submit our memos to the clerk's office with your appointment um, to go to Councilmember Johnson's committee so that we can start our interview process. I know we probably won't be finished before the end of the year, but hopefully we can get some interviews started. And so just kind of heads up and a reminder that everyone does have an appointment to that committee. Also want to wish uh, Deontay a happy belated birthday from the clerk's office, who serves us so well. Has to read all of those contracts. <laughs> we appreciate you. Happy Thank you so much for um, all that you do. And then lastly, of course, want to remind all of the residents that we do have an election next Tuesday. And so council will not be in session. Um, our formal session will take place the following day on Wednesday at 10 a.m. But of course, we want to encourage everyone to exercise their right to vote. Uh, this is a critical election. We know that there's so many things that are on the ballot before us. And so make sure, as Member Waters just said, take your souls to the polls uh, and get out and vote. And so with that being said, uh, we can move on to that is it, actually. So thank you for your patience today, everyone. Everyone have a blessed evening. And if there's nothing else to come before this body, this meeting will now stand adjourned. <laughs>